Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. You're listening to Bry Island Discs. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Bry Island Discs, um, week eight, I think we are now. Um, this evening in the studio, we have Miss Quarrel, who has given Bryanston 24 years of her life. That's over t- nearly over two decades. Uh, she was here as a pupil um, back in 1983 80, to 88. And then she had to take a break for a bit, a bit of sort of... Not Further very long. Education. Bit of education. <laughs> and they came back. Was came back in uh, nineteen. I think it was ninety. It's either ninety four or ninety five. Ninety five. To be honest. And yeah, has been a, has been a teacher ever since. But had a, had a few breaks in between. But always seems to come back and can't get enough of it. But so, <laughs> what was your first day like when you stepped into the place? Given that you've mm. been back a lot. Oh, my first witch day. The well, one. The first, the first day ever here. As a child. As a child. I was really lucky because my sister was three years above me here at school. So I already knew loads about the school. And she's, she was, in those days, everyone wrote letters to each other. She used to regale my parents and I with stories about school and long sort of descriptions of what happened in lessons and lists of teachers and what she thought of them. She was quite detailed in her analysis. And um, so I kind of, already felt I knew the place and I felt I knew a lot of the teachers and indeed I had probably met a few of them um, and you know in in those days well I suppose you can do this now but in those days you could sort of write in and ask for a tutor so my parents had got to know a few teachers and my sister had said oh I think she'd be you know this tutor would be great so they asked for my tutor so I felt comfortable with that so I felt really fine actually I loved it um, it was pretty great <laughs> <laughs> oh, and your tutor, I think, um, was Peach, I think. Not at the beginning, Not actually. Not at the beginning. So my tutor was a lovely man called Roger Weatherly, who was head of geography, and he had this massive, great big beard. Um, he had slightly kind of um, reddy brown hair and a huge reddy brown beard. And as it happens, he was a great friend of Peach's, which is why in the end I, I was moved on to Peach, because Roger left um, to be head of Knighton, would you believe it? So... He was amazing. He was lovely. He was in the Cranbourne House team with Peach as housemaster. So I got to know Peach a little bit that way. And um, then I, I inherited Peach, or he inherited me when Roger moved on. And uh, So he obviously had a big impact on you because now you're head of the tutor system and you, you're running that. And I guess so, yeah. I think it's hard not to say that Peach had a big impact on lots of us. Um, but I was very lucky to be tutored by him, certainly. And tell us about your first track, Dancing Queen. Um, so Dancing Queen is very pre-Bry, um, and I've got several of my kind of best prep school friends, who are still incredibly close friends of mine, um, who I just have these memories of being at their house and just boogieing around in their bedrooms to, to ABBA. And it was really the only band I kind of knew or had bought records of or anything like that when I was when it was before I'd come to Bryanston, I do remember, so speaking of my first day, I remember arriving in a lesson in my first, on my first day. And 
I sat down next to a girl and we got talking before the teacher got there. So it was all very nice. <laughs> but she was quite gothic. I mean, she's 13. So, you know, it was quite, to me, that was quite weird because I straight out of prep school, she was much more sophisticated than me. And I remember her saying to me, so what music are you into? <laughs> of course, I said ABBA. <laughs> and actually, ABBA's quite retro yeah, now. and Incredibly yeah. popular, as proven in the band's concert on yeah. Saturday night. Fantastic. It makes it, two Abba songs. Yeah, totally amazing. Um, yeah, three, three. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> and but at the time it was really uncool, and I didn't realise it was really uncool. So I remember she kind of looked through her kind of you know gothic sort of heavy eye makeup and all this, which of course was totally unfamiliar to me on day one. And she was like, oh, I'm into The Cure and The Smiths. It's like, okay. <laughs> oh, God, I've made a, Ooh, made a try a bit harder on this kind of thing. Um, but honestly, ever, as so many people would say, is totally the soundtrack to people's lives. It's one of those, I mean, there are bands I haven't been able to put on here, like Queen, I would say that's exactly the same as well. Um, it's... It's key to life, ABBA is. And what I didn't realise at the time, and I think hopefully my lovely music colleagues, if they're listening, will agree, is it's incredibly impressive musicianship. Mm. It's incredible. So I think kudos for that as well. It's not quite as naff as my little friend in D, 1983, thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. young Piffa Coral in, indeed to assimilate to this sort of Bryanston sort of crowd? It was quite easy, really. Um, I was really lucky. I had some really nice friends. And so I got to know different groups within the year group. And, and again, they're friends that are still my friends now. Several of them really, really close friends. Um, and it was pretty easy. It, that's not to say it wasn't also incredibly rocky. And there there were some ups and downs. But looking back on it, it was incredibly happy time. And you know what? I never quite got cool enough to be into The Cure and The Smiths, but I was fine with that, to be honest. Um, much as I love their music, as it happens, but, you know, not being those people. I wasn't that kind of person. But I was just, yeah, I was lucky. We had a nice year group as well, which makes a big difference, actually. Well, well, tell us your biggest ups and downs that as, the, as a schoolgirl. Ups and downs. Um... Ooh, downs are just normal stuff, the kind of in-house politics that, 
you hear, I still hear about, you know, regularly, it's, it's what it is. And I tend to say, and I hope this isn't unhelpful to the people I talk to about it, but I tend to say, I promise you it'll get better. And it's amazing by the time you see people in A3 and A2, how totally content they are with each other in-house. You know, all mm. the little petty politics yeah. that mattered so much in D and C have totally gone. It's amazing. It's like this weird sort of falling away of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, So there was lots of that. And, you know, friendships falling apart and sometimes then reforming and sometimes not. And you sometimes realise, actually, it's fine. Mm. I'm fine not being that person's friend. Um, The ups, what were the ups? Well, I mean, the, the ups are the fun bits, aren't they? So we had a great A3 fest and it was so good. I was really lucky again, to be in a very talented year group. So I ended up in a play. I'm not a good actress, by the way. And if my friend Hal is listening to this, which he might be, um, Hal, you're allowed to say I'm not a good actress either. You were very kind to put me in your play, but it wasn't great. Um, I wasn't great. Anyway, Hal very kindly put me in this play. He's an incredibly talented um, musician. He's written a musical. Opera, doesn't he write opera? He does now, yeah. And um, he very kindly put me in this play. I wasn't singing. Also, probably a good thing. Um, It was a musical and there were some incredible talents who were doing the musical side of it. And it was great fun and there was lots of dancing and all this kind of thing. Anyway, I played a very boring character, but it meant I was in it, which was amazing. And it went down so well that we decided to take it to Edinburgh that summer. So we took it up to Edinburgh, had a ball. And, you know, that's a massive memory. And the Edinburgh thing is great and it was amazing, but actually just the fun of being together on the stage at school and then getting your peers' recognition and the cheers, you know, a bit like all those wonderful people on Saturday night at Bands concert. It's such a buzz. It's mm. such a buzz. Mm. Ben's shaking his head, yeah. Who he knows how is. that feels? <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 great fun. And honestly, how could have sat me any time? But he was kind enough to keep me in it. So I was part of it. And actually, sensibly, he then gave me all the kind of production stuff to do for Edinburgh. So although I was in the play, my skills were better used sorting out accommodation, ordering this, ordering that, doing the publicity. And and that's more where my skills are. But it meant I could be there. So it's great. So those were amazing. I don't know. I mean, what other highs? Silly things. I mean, little memories. I've got a friend, one of my best friends, and we still... If the music is on in her car when she's driving along and this particular song comes up, we almost have to pull over and stop the car because we're going to laugh so much about the particular memory of what we were doing when we were listening to that song at school. You know, they're just, you know, you're just really lucky. You boarding school is where you make friends for life. And it is different from most people's experience of day school. Because those friends really, really get you. And the living together yeah. is huge. And it's, it's amazing. I'm so lucky to have those friends now. So, And you said before, when you walked in here, you, you, the one thing you'd never do is be on TV. But <laughs> being on stage, was that putting yourself out there, out of your comfort zone? No, not at that age. Um, not at that age. And I don't mind being on the stage now if I'm me. I've worked out, I can't act, but I can be PQ on the stage. I can do assembly. I can talk to people that's totally fine so that's not I I think I like I think I I'm okay with people when they're in the audience and they already know me I suppose I'm I yeah the telly thing nah I don't know I just Mm. something about it on the receiving yeah maybe yeah (laughs) 
So tell us about your your next track. You've got a bit of um, David Bowie. Oh golly! Oh, I love David Bowie so much. <laughs> he was a pinup in my room in Greenleaf, so that's the start. Um, but again, particularly this track and some of the associated ones like Space Oddity and and all those kind of tracks remind me a lot of my friends and and loads of my friends taught me so much about music. I mean, my friend Canada, who was my best friend when I was here, she had an older brother and that meant she just knew all the music. She was really, she just knew everything. Bands I'd never heard of, singers I'd never heard of. Not Barry, I had heard of him. But, you know, just, we used to just sit and listen to music all the time. And it was the soundtrack, really, to what we were just doing, whether it was... We had communal bathrooms in those days, which I think would freak a lot of people out. Actually, it was the best thing. So we'd have two baths in a bathroom. She and I would fill the baths. We'd both hop into our separate baths. We'd have the cassette player. We'd have books and food. And we'd just be there for two hours in the afternoon, chatting away, changing the tapes. It was the best. So much fun. <laughs> we should bring them back. <laughs> well, for sociability, I would say yes. I think a lot of people think it's weird, but it wasn't in those days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Still don't know what I was waiting for And my time was running wild A million dead-end streets and Every time I thought I got it made It seemed the taste was not so sweet So I turned myself to face me But I've never caught a glimpse Of how the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test Ch-ch-ch-ch-change Turn and face the strange Ch-ch-change Changes. Um, leaving Bryanston, did you sort of think, oh, what am I going to do? Um, had from such a happy sort of oasis that this place obviously is. Yeah, it, it was really, I mean, it was gutting, but it didn't feel like it was the wrong thing to do because that thing of it happens every year, the A2s move on, etc., etc. It just means it's part of the system. Um, so it didn't feel 
wrong but it was sad it was definitely sad and it's emotional and it's nostalgic as well the whole business of leaving somewhere that you love is a very nostalgic thing um you know your last speech day your last this your last that but no I didn't I didn't worry about what was going to happen next I didn't know what was going to I mean I knew what was going to do in my year off but I didn't know what I was going to do with my life um I've I've that didn't really ever bother me to be honest because I've always had this sense that the penny will drop and I often say that to people you know it'll be fine by the time you've done your a-levels you'll know what you want to do at university you don't have to know two or three years beforehand so a bit of faith in just time is quite quite good i think but maybe you sort of had you had to have someone to really tell you to go into teaching as you just explained yeah. that you had to, well you had someone to really sort of push yeah. you into the so the classroom before this interview began i was talking to emily about the fact that she, i i come from a family full of teachers and what that does to you is it makes you slightly in denial about it. And you kind of go, oh, well, I know I could. And then you go, no, but I'm not going to. And I delayed it and that's fine. And, you know, I was doing my degree. And when, as I was just about to go into my third year at university, I was on holiday with my cousin, who I only see about once a year. And she's my mum's age, actually. So she's my mum's cousin. So she's always been quite good at giving me advice. And we were talking about it and I was like, I just don't know. It's kind of fine, but I don't know. And she said, OK, firstly, will you miss your subject when you finish studying? And I was like, yes, definitely. It'll be horrible not making history part of my day. And then she said, and when you when your year off, when you were teaching, because that's what I did in my year off, I taught at prep school. She said, did you enjoy it? And I went, yeah. Although I don't think I want to work in prep school, I said. And she went, well, duh, why don't you just do the qualification and become a teacher? And it seemed so obvious suddenly, basically. Mm. So the so, door sort of opened and yeah. it just sort of all clicked. Yeah, the penny dropped. Clicked. The penny dropped, which and, is good. I mean, history we haven't really talked about, but mm. that's obviously a huge part. Oh, it's part of your day mm. every day. It's the best part of my it's day. It's the best part of your mm. day. And how, was it, how did you sort of, how did that passion evolve? I had an amazing history teacher at prep school and... I mean, she really was an amazing teacher and she created a real love. So that was fab. And then I had great teachers here. Um, and for a long time, I thought I'd be going geography, which is laughable to anyone who knows me well, because geography is way too scientific for me and it actually blows my tiny mind now. <laughs> um, I was sitting in a lesson of Mrs. Carney's last term and I was scratching my head going, but I don't really understand it. It just, it's beyond me. But I do love learning about geographical stuff so I thought probably that would be it but actually I was so wrong and what I'd always loved is history and I had I mean there's a bright legend called Nobby Neil Bolton who taught history and politics and he was incredible and he was also supported by other amazing teachers like Bob Allen and Mike Wagstaff and they were just incredible and I was lucky enough to be supported by all of them and it was always the kind of mainstay by the time I'd finished school I'd realized it was clearly the thing for me um, so yeah, and I just mentioned those names are fantastic. What? what? <laughs> Nobby. Nobby and I don't really know the origin of Nobby's <laughs> nickname. Nobby. So he's Neil Bolton, um, and everyone calls him Nobby. Um, and pupils, do pupils. We would Nobby? a bit. Yes, we would a bit. There was one weird moment when I was in Oxford about two years after I left school, and I saw him walking down the street, and I literally screamed, Nobby! <laughs> and he turned around, and he was like, oh, it's Quarrel. Because he was very grumpy, Sandy. He always goes, oh. And sort of, oh. 
sighs and shrugs and his his persona is uh, about everything. <laughs> Actually, he has massive joy inside him, but he keeps it very well hidden. Um, so I don't know why Nobby's called Nobby, but anyway, don't know. I must find that out. It's a bit poor of me not to know. And then the other names aren't odd at all. Bob Allen is the guy after whom Allen is named, who oh, yeah. is second master and epic and wonderful, one of the nicest men ever to live on this planet. But incredible as well. Not not soft, nice. He was amazing. And then Mike Wagstaff was another lovely, lovely teacher who um, was housemaster of Salisbury. And then he went off, funnily enough, he also went off to run a prep school. Um, I think just before I left, yeah. So. Well, and obviously Pippa Coral was quite a interesting name, name as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, tell us about your, your next track, Caroline by Kirsty McColl. Kirsty McColl, I don't know how many people who are listening to this will know of her, but she is honestly one of the most underrated and most incredible singer-songwriters ever. And actually everyone will know her through the Kirsty McColl Pogues fairy tale of New York because that's how oh. she's very well known. Oh. But but she, that was her only collaboration, I think. And she's just incredible. I just adore her. She's amazing. So this, um, where where in your life did this track sort of appear? I actually can't be absolutely sure, but I guess if it's mid nineties, it's got to be sort of my first teaching job, maybe moving into being down here in Dorset. I would say, but I, I, unlike some of the other tracks, I don't have strong memories of its place in my life. I just love Kirsty McColl. We were just hearing about her very tragic death, mm. and um, yeah, it's sad and these sort of. Um, pop stars that they, they mean so much to lots of people yeah and, yeah. and then when they die um she died in a powerboat accident um it's such a sort of 
cut off of their talent. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. that's true of anyone, and it's true of anyone with talent or not with talent. But it it was a massive shock. It was kind of heart stopping and horrible. Mm. So she's amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> Everyone should listen to Kirsty McCall. So you you left. You came back to Bryanston, and then you you left again for mm. a little break. What, what made you sort of want um, to get out? I didn't want to get out. I was asked to go and do something else, and that was to run a prep school. And it was a prep school that my f- family had owned and run. My great aunt had. And it was one of those things where I just couldn't have said no. And I'm, and it was right not to say no. It was amazing. Um, it was a prep school where I'd grown up. My mum had taught there. Um, my great aunt, we lived there. My great aunt lived in the big house, in, which was a schoolhouse. And we lived in a cottage there as well. So it was my home. It was where I grew up. And... She retired at the age of 80-something. I mean... Wow. Wow, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she'd sold the school onto a trust, an organisation of other schools, and they were looking for a new head. And I, accidentally, I met... Slightly accidentally, I met the guy who ran the trust um, by accident because I really wasn't either looking to move or, indeed... At the time, I wasn't looking to meet anyone. I went to see my aunt and then he was there. And um, they then sort of hatched a plan and they approached me. And Mr. Davis and I sat down and went, oh, my God, this is huge. But we kind of decided we had to do it. Um, So it was amazing. It ended rather in tricky circumstances, which is often the case with prep schools because prep schools are very vulnerable. Mm. Um, And... Incredibly, Sarah Thomas was like, don't worry, guys. Don't worry. Come back. Aww. I know. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, welcome home. Yeah, welcome home. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And it was it was a really tough time for us leaving and going through all the things that led to us leaving. So to know that the kind of big, wide arms of Bryanston were open and welcoming mm. us back in, it was such a help. Mm. And to come back to Dorset is incredible. Always, it's the best. Always, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. you and Miss Davies, have you gone off to teaching jobs together? Um, no. Um, so Bryanston, well, we've worked together at Bryanston and at this prep school. Um, but actually, he only worked here for a year and a half. A, was it a year and a half? No, it was even, oh, maybe it was, yes, it was a year and a half. Um, before we then left to go to the prep school. So he was a bit of a novice. Then we went off to this prep school and then he came back and actually, he got the job back here before I did, because when Sarah knew that we were leaving our prep school, she knew there was an English job, but there wasn't a history job. And actually, I needed a bit of time off anyway, because I'd slightly run myself ragged. And so I had a year off. And then as it happens, a history job came up as well. So I was very lucky. Mm. And I mean, I mean, you're, you're, you obviously love teaching. And but what is it about, uh, or as you've sort of learned over the years, is there things that you particularly that surprised you about the job? Oh, that's interesting. To be honest, this may sound perhaps arrogant, but I don't think anything surprised me about the job. Um, So it's not surprising, but it's everything. You know, you do your teaching, you do your tutoring, you do your various activities, whether it's games or, in my case, lots of ECAs or doing stuff in the house, dealing with parents, whatever it is. It's just loads of stuff. And it it certainly keeps you busy because you're not stuck behind a desk. Um, but all of that is not surprising. 
Um, I don't know whether anything is particularly what, what do you do when you have your sort of pippercoral time on your own and you can just Asleep. go and <laughs> rest <laughs> away go from bed all and lie down? So I do. I was really <laughs> exhausted, sort of four o'clock on Saturday. So I went and had a good couple of hours, solid kip, <laughs> which was lovely. Um, what else do I do? I kind of potter at home. You know, I'll do a bit of cooking. I'll, I don't do much gardening here, but I would garden if we were in our own house. Um, you know, chatting to friends. If I've got the energy actually going to see friends, which is always the best, but sometimes you're just so tired yeah. that you can't quite do that. I mean, it's full time. I mean, it's a 24 hour It is in the time time. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And even like Sundays, I mean. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was fairly busy, it, wasn't it? It, it was, it yeah. was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but living in a house with your family is a lot, and then, but living in your house with 60, no, how many? How many? Well, we only have 40, 40 boys. 40 boys as well. <laughs> yeah. That's quite a lot of yeah. uh, Just 40, heads to yeah. count. Um, it is. Luckily, that's not my responsibility. Mm. It's Mr. Davis and Mr. Haynes and Miss Carty. So I just do my thing in, in the house. I'm, I'm not required to take on too much in Beechwood because that's, you know, I'm not. Um, but it is nice it's really nice living actually in I like I always leave home through the boys house I don't go out of the garden or the garden gate and doing that always means you're clocking a few guys you're saying hi you know and, and that that's always good it's like what PJ always talk, used to talk about in terms of eyeballing people he would eyeball people in the dining room which was his way of going sort of sorry I was just waving my finger around <laughs> to anyone who's listening um where he'd just make eye contact with people and do all right and come and see me or everything good or how are you? And that's what a lot of this job is, actually, which is, you know, it's about creating those connections, however small and subtle, so that people know that you're there, that they're being looked after and supported and so forth. So, yeah, no, I I mean, I like living in Beechwood. It's, it's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Tell us about your next track. We've got uh, Ella Fitzgerald, All Through the Night. Um, yes. I love Ella Fitzgerald, and it seemed like a good sort of antidote to some of the slightly more modern poppy stuff. And it's very relaxing, it's very soothing. And if I was on a desert island, then as the, as the sun goes down, and I'm not always assuming that... well. I know it's a deserted island, but I'm not really assuming it's a desert. It might not be a hot island. Well, it could be an island. Yeah. It could choose. be Arctic. Yeah, I mean... it could be on an ice cap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Either way, as the sun goes down, even if it isn't warm, this would be a lovely way for the day to end. It's a lovely track. It's soothing and beautiful. The day is my enemy, the night my friend, for I'm always so alone till the day draws to an end. But when the sun goes down and the moon comes through, the monotone of the evening's drone I'm all alone with 
with you sort of topically or in in my line what we were saying all through the night uh, Mrs Crowell has been known for <laughs> since for doing all nighters answering not emails quite, not quite all nighters but I do I do quite like the quiet of night when you know my house is quiet and I can just kind of get on with my work and it, the pressure seems to be off you're not racing to the next lesson you can take your time over stuff and yes catch up on emails and send emails at weird times but I have discovered the this delay function on emails so I Ooh. now sometimes Ooh. write you an email. can mask it yeah I mask it Ooh. which I think oh, is probably sneaky. a good thing you might have to show me how to do that because <laughs> there's, there's been many a time where I've realized I need to send an email yeah. and it's you know it's like yeah. 10 11 12 yeah and I don't want to yeah. send it because I feel like teacher's going to be like judging me in a way yeah so um and then and then I say I'll do it tomorrow morning as soon as I wake up but I don't yeah, I forget yeah, no, it's and then, very handy yeah, and in fairness there wow. may be people going but that's ridiculous she still sent me an email last night at one o'clock but uh, when it gets to extremes I do use that wow <laughs> I mean no wonder you want to have a little sort of forty winks in your yeah <laughs> I'm a very good sleeper it's fine I do it at all sorts of times of day <laughs> a little nap here and there oh but so Six, this track all through the night you mm. where did this sort of um, again, I was trying to work that out. I, I think I got into that kind of music a bit. When I was work, when I was a student, I worked in an amazing deli in Oxford, Oxford's Covered Market, which is a beautiful little area. And I think I got into Ella Fitzgerald then. I'm pretty sure that is the case because we'd always have music going on in the deli. It was a very, very small shop. It was it was about the size of the studio and people would come in. And so at least a third of it would be where the customers were. And we were making loads of food and we were cooking stuff and making fresh pasta and we were selling stuff and all this. And we'd always have a real buzz in the shop and we'd play lots of different music. And our, my boss was Brazilian, so we'd do a lot of Brazilian music. But we'd also have antidotes to that. And we'd have sometimes really chilled stuff. And this is the kind of chilled stuff. And part of that was actually getting customers in by playing cool music and interesting music. Then it actually drew the customers in, which was sensible, Handy. I think, probably. And I mean, you're, you've always been a very, or you're a very good people person, very easy conversationalist. Is that something you've sort of, um, well, from working in a deli, you must have yeah. been really good at. Well, it's funny you mention that because my friend Caroline, who's the manager there, she was incredible, and she taught me a lot about the business of meeting people who you don't know. Just in the way that she treated customers and her friendliness, and the way that she would she would remember people's names and all that kind of stuff. And so I learned a lot from her. But when you're working in a shop, I mean, I honestly think everybody should work in a restaurant and or a shop at some stage in their life. And you should try and do it before you're about 23 because it teaches you so much. I did a lot of waitressing as well in Oxford and that was incredible. It taught me so much. It really did. You know, almost anything in teaching is easy by comparison because, you know, at least with your pupils, even when it's tricky, you have a bond with them and you want 
the same things for them. Some customers in restaurants, you certainly don't. Yeah, you're on <laughs> the other side of the coin. And you, 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 the diplomatic skills you develop, yeah. quite something. Yeah. No, I've, I've waited. Mm. I did it last summer, and uh, no. And then I've also worked in the kitchen, and it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's very stressful. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah. 24, yeah, it doesn't stop. No, it you really can't, doesn't. You can't step away. No. No. Yeah. It's 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 really an experience everyone should have, mm. for sure. We should get it. We should get an ECA working in the Crown. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or a, a part of, part Not of sure they'd want us, though. I'm afraid, mm. Emily. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, no, it's it was great, and it was such fun, and it taught me a lot about cooking working there. And again, I'm not the world's best cook, but I'm a decent cook because of I worked there for about five years on Saturdays and in the in the in the university holidays and all that kind of stuff. And it taught me loads, which was great. Really fantastic. Wouldn't have missed that experience for the world. And debating, you you lead the debating ECA and the public speaking qualification, which I've been part of and <laughs> I always get I sort of every time I say so, which I know I just <laughs> get a lot I sort of think of as growing thinking, no so don't, don't say start so. a sentence with so. Um yeah, well, the public speaking came about because I did exactly... So the example that we use um, for the public speaking exams we do here, I had done at my prep school when I was a kid. And in fact, my great aunt, who's this epic woman who retired at 80, um, she was one of the first ever people to do that. And she got to know the woman who set up the qualification very, very well. And so we were a bit of a flag- flagship prep school. So... Then when I came back here after having run that school myself and having done those exams for the tiddlers, so they do them from year two upwards, um, I thought, oh, well, we, I mean, the exams exist for the teenagers, so let's keep going, which was great. And it, as it happens now, I also, I'm the chair of the trustees of that organisation, so I'm heavily involved on behind the scenes as well. Because it's educational, it can be a charity and because it's providing educational, provi- you know, sorry, that's a bad phrase, but um, it, educational... It's tools and skills. Yeah, exactly. So it runs itself as a charity, and therefore that means you have trustees. And I've been a trustee now for about 10 years, and I've been chair for about the last four. So that keeps my eye on the outside world, which is quite good. Mm. I mean, yeah. do you think now it's, it's harder? I, I remember having a conversation with the examiner, or was it, mm. in the exam about how these days it's, it's getting harder because of technology and how people are... The lack of interaction people are getting face to face. It is harder to bring people. Well, people just don't have the same yeah. kind of public. It could well skills. be. It could well be. But of course, the reality is that everyone knows that when they leave this place, they are going to be required to speak in some way in public. Whether that's just in a seminar group at university, which might be eight more people, or whether it's, you know, high profile speaking in public. Um, and so, it's a good skill to have. And I think increasingly people realise that. Um, so th- there's a sort of period of time when you sort of like oh, not engaging with it at all. And then it, what's interesting is that come A3, people suddenly realise, oh, I need to do this. And this year I've got more A3s doing it. I've got about 25. Do you remember last year we had about 12? So it's more A3s than I've ever had before, which is great. It's amazing. It's great. Yeah. Would, ooh, Would you say that it's built in popularity or...? I know this well, I think it, it's I think it's this business of people realising it's a good thing to do. Mm. And I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder whether sometimes parents are quite keen that their kids do it. Um, I don't get the impression that tutors put a lot of pressure on people to do it because I think tutors are less, well, as a tutor I am, 
I don't want to have boxes that my tutorial pupils tick because that's not what this what life is about. Mm-hmm. But I, I suspect that if a student was saying to their tutor, oh, I th- I'm thinking of doing it, I think the tutor would say that's great. So I, th- I think the building in popularity is just probably people suddenly in A3, they begin to realise they've got to make a university application and it'd be really good to be able to say they've done it. I think perhaps the lockdown and the, the lack of having to, I mean, a whole year lack of having to be in a classroom and interact and I think yeah. it's such a good skill. Yeah, and, and certainly I would say that the special skill that Bryanstonians have is the ability to talk, mm. um, the ability to hand in work late and <laughs> procrastinate <laughs> and all those other things as well. Yeah, yes. but, but the, the talking, you know, it's, I don't know because I haven't spent time in other schools for a long time, but I do think a lot of what we do is in our teaching is talking based I wonder whether maybe that's more in my subject I think perhaps the tutorial others, system as well especially. plus the tutorial mm. system so this business where there's communication between you know pupils and adults is absolutely key and I think largely you guys feel very very comfortable with that and that's how it should be which is great um, so it's just a kind of further extension of that perhaps really mm. you know basically our candidates at Brian's do do really well in public speaking guess what because they do it without realising it actually at school. True, very true. And, uh, well, you're going to be about to be cast away to your mm. desert island. Um, what would be your sort of luxury item that we're going to be very kind to let you have? Okay, so first of all, I have to check, am I allowed medical items and anyway? Yes, yes. Okay, fine. You, you so you've got to keep okay, it alive. Okay, that's fine. So I don't have to ask for my medical requirements. Um, I then wondered about my cats, which anyone who knows me Ooh. well, I am utterly nuts about our cats I, I mean like in, in lockdown we'd nuts. have a sort of uh, some yeah, the, pause yeah. on the on the screen yeah. coming but I've decided I can't take my cats because they'd be too upset and disorientated and they don't travel <laughs> well anyway they don't travel well to Blandford to see the vet so going to Dead Island is a no-no so and they eat all your food and yeah I'd sacrifice my you... food for them I love them so much actually <laughs> um so I'm going much more practical and I'm going to say a fridge full of never-ending diet coke Oh, I'm sorry. Ooh, it's a... totally unimpressive, but it is my addiction. So actually. no Ivor, no Peggy. You're not going to well, bring I'm a kid. I'm not allowed to bring <laughs> my kids. <laughs> <are> we? <laughs> you can't bring Emily. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I was but kind of assuming they weren't allowed to come. Cats, kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, they can. Yeah, my kids can look after myself. My cats would mourn well, me. Well, someone sure. needs to look after cats. <laughs> well, that's very true. That is a very good point. Well argued. Um, so fridge, a never-ending supply of diet coke in a fridge because it has to be properly cold. cold. Okay. Am I allowed that? Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll yeah. give. I guess you could put it in the sea. Save no, the no, 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 no. Refrigeration no, costs. No, 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 no. A fridge. Sorry, Emily. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who's going to be billing <laughs> on this a island? Fridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not well, powered, solar energy, maybe. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 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 Something like that. Uh, the cat so, thing yeah. definitely runs in the family. We get yes, many, many yeah. videos from either on the house group chat of silly cat <laughs> silly videos. Cat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's wondering whether to go public and earn millions from it. Oh yeah, of course. So, but anyway, yeah. So my luxury, I think, it's really ordinary, but actually, I can't can't live a day without a really cold can of coke oh and tragic really your your last track which i know Mm. was a bit of a up for debate until Mm. about sort of 10 minutes or 10 minutes actually the the one you're playing is not up for debate it wouldn't have been kicked off um a couple of the other ones we have played might have been but i i lost i ditched take that which some people will know really hurt but i'm glad with the final choices um yeah this one is the beatles in my life um so Mr. Davis is totally into the Beatles, 
he's really he knows so much about them he loves their music so even though I was into them before I met him it sort of added a different level of knowledge and you know the number of documentaries that are on that suddenly show you this much and that you know they are amazing but actually this one in particular this track I find really really it's not that well known it's lovely and it's nostalgic and it's yeah, it's almost mournful, but it's there's something very positive as well. So I rather love this. There are places I remember subject of books um miss crow what would you take um i would take this is not about lifelong passions for a book because that would be insane because there would be far too many um this is just a book i'm two-thirds of the way through and i'm loving but i actually haven't read properly since autumn half term when we went away on holiday and i powered through the first two-thirds of it and i just need to finish it and it's amazing and that is i'm sorry to be a history buff um, it's called Queens of Conquest by Alison Weir and that's a shout out for Kitty because she used it in her coursework just recently um, and it is an amazing book and it's about the period I teach and it's really cool because it uses this is Alison Weir the writer is a woman who has written historical fiction which is fine historical fiction is fine it's really good to engage you with the period but historical fiction by definition isn't history but she also writes these incredible history books and this goes into all these amazing sources and dis- in a really interesting way because she's a good writer um, and discusses you know what various chroniclers are saying in what way and she builds our, up the sort of layers of history in a, an amazingly readable way and I do need to finish that and there there is a sequel which is 
Queens of the Crusades, which I could maybe snitch in with me as well, and that would keep me happy for a few more <laughs> days. We can, I don't know. We can have, I'm sure we can give Put you it a in little... the fridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's been lovely to, it's been so nice to hear all your, your his stories of, of Bryanson in back in the day and, um, well, and now, current and, pre- and past and present. And Thank you um, very much for having me. Oh, we've loved hearing. Very interesting. Thank you. Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.